series now, just a four-week series. And Lorraine has made this lovely slide for us. I'm hoping I'm assuming it's behind me. It is now. <laughs> and here, here's the deal. Over the past year or so, there has been, in our leadership and in my heart, just things that have come about where I, this strong sense of these four areas of the identity of who Obi Joyful is. Like if somebody was to, you know, test the blood of an Obi Joyful person, they should find these things. Someone who is a believer in this community should, should be able to, uh, to know these things. should sort of be the natural things that flow out of us. And so, there's four of them. Last week, um, Al shared a little bit about the first one. The first one is this, that what we do in Obi Joyful is that we abide in Jesus. And we don't use that word abide that often, but it really means to be rooted in, to be planted in, that Jesus is the source of everything. He's like the spring that we continually return to, that fills us and must be filled with. And really, the four things, they can go in any order except the first one. The first one is, is most critical that it be first. And that's what we do. Abiding in Christ includes like meeting together, uh, talking about the Word of God together. Walking through life in that sense together, it includes prayer, it includes the, the worship that we do, the singing, the giving, all of those things are parts of abiding in Christ. So that's the first and most important one that informs the rest of them. And let me tell you about the other ones, and we'll, we'll get to what we're going to talk about today. Uh, one of them is that we pass the baton. We say, well, what does that mean? You know, there's an imagery there of this handoff that happens in a race. And so when we, when we talk about passing the baton, another way of saying it is that we are committed to the next generation. That we um, I hope that you sense that, but we absolutely must be concerned about what happens to our children all the way up, and that we are passing on the faith to, to them and giving them an opportunity to know who Christ is and be drawn into a relationship with them. And there is a lot more involved in the next generation than that's what that is, that passing the baton. You know, that handoff is the hardest thing in a, in a relay, right? I've never been a relay racer, but I've seen it fall apart right there, even with skilled people. So it's really important to make that thing happen to do our best to make that handoff so that one can peel off and the rest can keep racing and the whole can be successful. So that's one, another piece of the passing the baton. Another one is that we are heat and light denoted by the fire up there. Now, you may, uh, you may remember in Matthew 5, Jesus talks about the fact that people don't light a lamp and then put a basket over it in their house. There's no point in doing that. They, put a, a, they light a lamp and they put it on the table so it gives light to everybody. That's what the church, in the, the unity of all the believers, is to bring light, to bring the good things of the gospel into the places that we live, whether it be with us, or into our community, or in the greater world. Um, in the same passage in Matthew 5, Jesus says, you can't hide a city that's on a hill. The lights are on, you can see it. And that's the same idea. Your life and warmth. I think it's important to say it that way, and I'll talk more about this in a couple of weeks. But the things that we say in these items of this DNA that we're made out of, it's important for, for them to be communicatable to our community. So we say, we're light in the darkness. What does that say to our community? Now, do we need to say that? Do we already know that? 
What, are we there too? We do not need to say. You're the, that is not what it's about. We, are, we just have the privilege of having the gospel with us. So we're warmth, we're heat, and light, that good thing that's like gathered around fire. Next summer, uh, our ad in the uh, Crescent Youth News is going to be a full page, and it's this great shot of uh, that Trent Bona took. Uh, I think it's in Fruita. It has a bunch of bikers at night, and all their bikes are laying around, and they're all sitting around this fire. And it's just this awesome. There's a little bit of trailing light going through it, and they're all sitting around the fire. And if you've ever been in that situation, you know exactly what's going on. You know, there's just this thing. And that's what this heat and light is that we're trying to do. Okay, well, today, we're going to talk about this one that's denoted by the tandem bicycle there. And that's the idea that we go together. We go together. We were made for relationships with other people. We were made for that. We were made for relationship with God. In fact, the gospel is the story of the reconciliation between man and God. But it's not just that. It's reconciliation between man and man. Those things go together. We, as a church, one of the greatest things that we can enjoy is going together through life. It's being in community together. I I really believe, especially after we look at this passage we're going to look at today, that there is a kind of community, even if you have the most incredible community in Christ's which maybe a couple of you do have, some of you may have, but there is something about what the church has to offer, what relationships between those who know Jesus has to offer to us, literally, that is, that we're only scratching the surface of. We don't even, we can't imagine how great it could be. And that's kind of the place that I want to go with you today. I, I think that we have an incredible opportunity for community, for going together here in this town. It is such a unique place. It's such a unique place. I think there's something very special about what we have is its potential. But let me just state that maybe some things that have become obvious to you if you've been around for very when I came as a, as a guest, and I was vacationing here year after year after year, from like uh, 95 on, uh, I was only like 20 at 95. Okay, so um, if you want to do that math, you can. But when, I, when we came as a family to vacation, I was amazed by how friendly everyone was. I mean, it is an amazingly friendly town, but kind of blew me away was that I know that the local people here people in the restaurants, people in the church, everybody that I've met, they're, they're seeing uh, vacationers come like a revolving door. It's like, hey, hey, it's a new one. Hey, it's a new one, right? It's this constant thing. And so I, I was just blown away by the fact that everybody would continue to be friendly to me, even though I, I was just one more and just this constant living of people that would come to. Most of us experienced that. In fact, a lot of us probably came here thinking, yes, that, well, once I got here, I realized, yes, that friendliness is absolutely genuine. Absolutely, there is no lack of friendliness, but there was something missing beneath the surface. And that that friendliness was really about as deep as it got in a lot of ways. As I've talked to more and more people, as I've experienced this myself, there is a a genuine lack of deep relationships in this place. It's just what it is. And I, uh, I think, I'm sure if you've been around for very long, or have grown up here, you may know what I'm talking about. But 
I've been spent a lot of time thinking about this, and I made a list. And so I wanted to throw out to you some ideas that I have of why it is that way. Some of them would just be, most of them would be obvious to you. But when you add them all up, you know, this one plus this one plus this one, you're like, oh man, we've got, we've got a pretty big headline that we're working against in terms of having a deep community. And that's why it's so important for us to talk about it as a church, because well, the passage we're going to look at shows something completely different. So, let me, let me read you my list. And the first one has to do with an absence, there's like three of them, it has to do with an absence of generations in our community. So, we are missing the oldest generation. No one dies here, except when they're trying to die. Right? They're doing things that put them on the edge, but no one dies here. Except very, and if you say, yeah, no, let me say this before I get started on this. Yes, there are exceptions to all of these, okay? So just, you know, if you have a problem with one, just let it go. You get all fixated on that one. We, we just live in a community that's very unique, and you know, resort community. People, especially it's hard here, you just can't make it when you move into a generation where you have to get around. It's harder to get around. I don't know what all of these are. There is not that older, wisest generation that we're taking care of. It's missing. There's also a missing generation of 20s. There are very few people who are here that are our own 20s. We have tons of moving in 20s. Right? I mean, that's a large part of the culture, and it changes all the time. So... What that means is there's this gap. So our kids in high school have very few, old, like here's one who stayed here, who's around. Okay, here's another one who's been here, who's around, who, where they actually stayed in the community. But it's extremely rare. And so there's this gap. We have these big gaps, and there's a problem <coughs> in finding community. Um, there are very few multi-generational families here. It's usually one layer. And they're very, very, very exceptional. You see all the generation, like, wow, that's awesome. You don't see it very much. Uh, there, I've noticed that there's about a three year tipping point for living here. So if you've been here for a long time, then you, you know that there's this curve. And when you get to three years, there's this, oh, we're out. And that's okay. That's just the way it goes. And some of you are probably at three years, but yeah, that's what we're thinking. <laughs> And so it makes it hard to connect because you, you know, all right, if I put my trust and heart into this relationship, I'm probably going to suffer. Yeah. I'm lose my friendships. Uh, it's kind of a long list, I apologize. <laughs> it's just, it's, uh, when we, we all moved here, almost all of us moved here, and almost all of us who are relatively new have had communities somewhere else. And so you don't want to add to it. So you're already kind of stuffed up with community to start, so it's hard to like um, re to break those relationships and start over. That's something that Claire and I are facing, and those of you who are newer are facing. Okay, here's another one, an honest one. We're pretty narcissistic. We're pretty na- we navel gaze here quite a bit. We like what we like. We want to do what we want to do. Um, I'm as guilty as the rest, but it's a narcissistic community, uh, and that's evidenced by you know that idea. If it's a, if it's powder day, do we have friends? No friends on powder. It's just well known. It's on posters. You're taught. Okay, we are also very independent people. 
if you made it, I've said this many times, if you make it to this end of the valley, you're an independent person. It's just a fact. Okay? Nobody comes to this dead and this lollipop at the top of North Gunnison unless you're an independent person. And so you automatically, I automatically have something in me that says, I'm independent. I can do this. I've survived this. I've been through this. We're going to make it. I will tough, I will white knuckle it. We will go. That's us. Uh, some of us have small, young families, not small families, but young families, and we're struggling with how to manage that, and school, and sports, and traveling for that. A lot of us have hard jobs, multiple jobs. Some of us have work, and then we get injured, like Troy, and we're like, you know, how we can make it? How much time do I have? You know, we're starting businesses, we're running businesses, we're trying to find a place to live, I and mean, all of these things. Uh, you see what I'm saying? When you add these all up, you know, all of us have a little bit of all of this. Here's another one. This one we have to be honest about. Most of us, are, us independent people, we came here to escape something. That's just the truth. You, you might say, oh, I came here to enjoy what God has created. Well, the other side of that is, I came here to get away from something I didn't like that was over there that wasn't what God created. Right? <laughs> so those people who are newer with me, you know, like I am, my wife, that's where we are. Um, I know this is for you, those of you who grew up here. We are, uh, I think another thing is that we're all somewhat, this goes with independent idea, we're all adventurers. If we're here, we love adventure, we love seeing what's out there, what can be, how can this happen. Another aspect of being an independent person. But there's that adventure component, so we add stuff to our lives to create new experiences. And when we do that, we necessarily choose against other things, not the best relationship. So, I don't mean to beat you down or make it sound impossible because it's not. That's the beauty of the church. So how did the early church do this? Now, there's a great passage that I want to turn to. Are you are familiar with it? It's Acts 2. We'll put it up here. Acts 2.42. And I just want to, they're not perfect. That church was full of people. And whenever you get a lot of people together, what do you have? Peter. And yourself. <laughs> So when you find the perfect church, you shouldn't go there because you might mess it up. <laughs> I would screw it up too. Well. So we, let's read it together. This is just Luke's, Luke's description, amazing description of the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And all came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done to the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And they, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received, and they received food with glad and generous or sincere hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So three things that I want to pull out as we walk through this. The first one is that they live life together. I think you probably saw that as I was reading through that. Live life together. Another thing they did is they experienced awe. There was something about what God was doing that brought awe to them. And then thirdly, they enjoyed a special generosity. So they were together. There was the sense of awe that they experienced, and that they enjoyed this incredible generosity. And I want to just touch on those briefly as we unfold it. Look at the beginning there at 242. 
And here's the main thing in the first, this first point I want to make. They, they just did stuff together. Right? Let's just look at them. Not, not, don't compare us to them. Just let's listen and think about who they were and say, okay, what do I see there? Not, not how am I not, how are we not there? But what do I learn? How, how can I grow from this? <coughs> they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In other words, there was time where they learned together. They spent time growing together and learning about the Bible and about who Jesus is together. Uh, and they were devoted to fellowship. In other words, they just hung out together. They spent time together. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. They ate together. Into prayers. They prayed together, just like we did this morning. And all came upon all of them, great signs were done to the apostles, and they, they believed. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. In other words, they were pretty well connected. They had all things in common. Now, Luke was a guy who wrote this book, and Luke was a guy who was very factual. Like he, he didn't veer from the facts too much. Apparently, he really liked the early church. Because there's some hyperbole here. I mean, he jacks it up. It's like, these guys were awesome, right? He, I mean, that's, that's a high bar. In fact, he says that last time, that they had all things in common. Well, this is a pretty unusual group of people. They probably didn't have all, every, they weren't exactly like robots, all together, all exactly the same people. That's, that's not what he's saying. But they had a lot in common. This common experience that they were sharing together. <laughs> and one thing about that that we need to remember, we always have to remember about the church, this gathering, is that when he described that, he wasn't describing a club or a country club. He was describing a hospital. And the church is full of people who need to be in the hospital because we're messed up and we have problems. Okay? That's why we need relationship with God. Like we have trouble, and that's why we come together. But He's also saying that there was a, a beauty in that that was just amazing in the midst of all of what was going on. Certainly they were messed up, but there were these incredible things when they went together in life that were amazing. Uh, here's something I noticed about it. In order for them to get into that space together and to be in those relationships that are pretty, obviously pretty tight and spend so much time together, they actually had to choose to be together. They had to make a choice. Right? And, whenever, and we all know this, especially here. If you choose one, then you're choosing against something else because our schedules are full, are full. When I grew up, roller skating was the thing on Friday night. Oh, yeah. I, was junior high. I don't know if that was some, some of your life, so it must have been too. I don't know why it was such a big deal, but I like, in middle school, my life pivoted around Friday night. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you could stay a certain way. There was always a guy there who was like, awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like Davey or something. Like that. It's like a rock star and hair and all that. Oh, yeah. This was huge. huge. One of the things that's a part of, of that skating world was something that was probably the worst possible thing that could ever happen in the world. And that is when. They say it's time for not couple skate, but the skate where they put all the girls on one end and all the boys on the other. And they get one of the groups to go choose from the other group. Okay. Uh, you know who invented that? Some 
like high school DJ playing music up there because of how cruel that was to people who didn't get chosen. I'm sure all of you got chosen. <laughs> but, you, you know, there is that horrible moment as middle school student. I don't want to take you back to a painful time. But when you're, you know, you're coming with girls, you're coming around, you're like, so, you know, make eye contact with the <laughs> You know, or vice versa, I'm sure, with the girls and the boys would come down. You know, it's just a horrifying event. For middle school, it's the worst scenario that you've ever come up with. But what's happening is something that is just a fact of life. That was just a horrible way to do it, is that we have to choose who we're going to skate with. That's what we did. We choose who we're going to skate with. We have to, as believers, there's a component of this in what we saw that they're choosing who they're going to be with. Definitely need to be engaged in our community. I'm not saying anything's to the exclusion of relationships outside of here or outside of believers, but we need to be connected to other believers that we choose to be with. We kind of hold hands with, right? Even though it's starting out to look comfortable. But, so there is this idea of choosing that we need to have it in, in our minds when we're talking about what's happening in the community of believers. But this other thing is just really, on the surface, very obvious. It says that they ate together. And it says that two, at least two times in this translation, they ate together. There's something about food that is really critical of what God has made it for us to connect. I don't know why it is, but it, it's what it is. Um, we in our young adults study have been going through meals that Jesus had. And so if you look, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's a great little way to look at the ocean. If you see, uh, you can see where did Jesus meet with someone to have a meal? And what happened at that meal? And the first one we looked at was Zacchaeus. You remember Zacchaeus, the little guy in the tree? So Zacchaeus is a guy who's kind of a persona non grata. Jesus comes through town, all the people are cheering, like, want to get a look. And so he climbs up in the street, looks down at Jesus. And remember the beautiful story where Jesus stops in the middle of the crowd and turns and makes eye contact with this guy who's the least likely. And he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm having dinner at your house tonight. Now, remember that skating illustration I told you? That was the most amazing eye contact you're coming with me thing that ever happened. Because that crowd was like, what? He asked him? To, he said he was going to dinner in? Because eating was so critical. And, and this reveals a whole lot about who Jesus is. But he actually asked this guy. He didn't ask this guy. I'm having dinner with you. And he's, to us, if I said, hey, we're having dinner, he'd be like, cool. But to them, it was like he threw a bomb down without everyone in that whole place in your hands. If it was kind of quiet when he called out Zacchaeus' name, it got really quiet. He said, we're going to eat together, and I'm staying in your house. So there's this, this choosing, and then this eating together. And then, of course, Matthew, we looked at that one too in our group. Matthew is one of the disciples of Jesus, comes up and says, come with me, Matthew follows him. And the next thing that happens is this dinner party, where Matthew invites all of his and one of the, the most beautiful things about that is that is the word that I love the most is in almost all of the recountings of the story in the scripture, it's I think told three different times. Jesus is reclining at the table. And it just, I love that image of eating together that we have of Jesus. Where it's not just he goes to eat with them, 
who he's eating with. But he's at the table, and he's completely relaxed at the table with his people. That's the kind of scenario that we're talking about in eating together. It's modeled by Jesus himself. This whole idea of going together is something, too, that goes through the Scripture, especially through the New Testament. Uh, Jake sent me a list, uh, a message to listen to on this, and uh, Matt Chandler has, he, he gave 26 things that, that the New Testament says about how we go together, or how we do things with one another. I'll briefly run through Love one another, serve one another, accept one another, help one another, is all in the New Testament. Encourage one another, care for one another, submit to one another, commit to one another, build trust with one another, be devoted to one another, be patient with one another, be interested in one another, be accountable, confess, live in harmony with, do not pass judgment on one another, don't slander one another, instruct one another, greet, and we did that this morning, admonish, spur one another on to love and good deeds, meet with one another, be concerned for one another, be humble in love, and be compassionate towards one another. There's a little bit of instruction about those relationships and how we go together and what it ought to look like. When we, when we abide in Jesus, the thing that Al talked about last week, when we are rooted in Him and growing in Him and finding the source of all that we are in Him, then what, the thing that we long for naturally in that community is going to be something that is, is going to be very possible in the community of believers, in the church. And I'm I would love to see, wouldn't it be amazing to see that? I just, like I said, I think we're just scratching the surface. But I think those things are available to us. There's just so many things stacked up against us. But the way to get there is not to add new things to our life, but to know Jesus better. Okay. Uh, that was my longest point. These next couple are a little shorter. So, you're ready. Um, the other one, this is so amazing. They experienced all. It says, in verse 43, it says, all came upon every soul. You guys, one thing about us, we love all. Some people that live in Dallas, where I come from, they don't care about all. You know, the only all they experience, no offense to from Dallas, is, you know, what kind of car they saw. Okay, great. Right. All over that kind of vehicle. We love all that fills us up, right? Which is like, oh my gosh. Like, if you know at the end of Doctors, like after you've written down the really bumpy baby head part and it's really nasty, and it gets to the bottom of the part they call the Star Wars section, you ever been there? Mm-hmm. It goes, it's amazing. And when you finish it, you're like, wow. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. But you guys all know what that place is for you. But we, this group of people in here, if you're here, you love all. You would not be here. You'd just be somewhere else. You wouldn't be here. So we love that. And so I think it's so cool that it's in the scripture right here that what they experienced was awe. You see how it ties together with the special place that we have? But, but here's the deal. It wasn't just you know, awe. It was soul-level awe. He, he said they felt this, this awe in their soul. And, and so that's a, a deeper thing. He didn't say, uh, these, really, these things happened and they thought it was neat. <laughs> Right, that's not what was in. That's not what it is. It's completely other than that. It says they had they they had this sense of not sense. It says they they experienced all in their soul. It was so deep, and that is something that can only be attributed to God. When that thing happens, it's way better than some kind of part of a 
some background, whatever experience we think is the greatest thing ever. But this, this thing that happens in community, can happen in the community, is way beyond what we really could expect. I think it's potential that's out there for us, this, this place where there's this awe that hits our soul. One of the things where our elders met a couple of weeks ago, and out, the most important thing that came out of the whole day that we spent together was that what we would love more than anything is that things would happen through the people of Obi Joyful Church and the believers here that can only be explained because God is at work. You see what I'm saying? It's not, oh yeah, isn't that great? What time did it? Okay, great. Thank you, Tyler, for doing great things. But that only could be explained by God working in his heart. By what God is doing. You know, some amazing thing, or even if it's subtle things that happen over a period of time, you can only point back and say, that had to be God. That's what we want. Not anything about individual people, but what God is doing. And I was super thankful, I was like, because we came out of those meetings thinking, this is, this is good. Um, that all of this, this sense of what's happening, wherever it's happening, is, is directly attributable to God. And a couple more things on that one. One is that it says, every person felt the awe. Every person. And that, what that means is that when Luke was asking them about it, everybody had a story. Right? Luke was the researcher. Everybody had a story. Have you ever gone to a hunter and said, hey, tell me about your, you know, when you shot that one, you know, whatever you shot this year? Well, you can, sometimes, it will be like, well, when I was born, you know, and then when I was 12, and then my dad showed me how to, you know, and then there's this huge long story. There's a story around these things. <laughs> And this was what was, they all felt it to this level, everyone. But what's important is that this was an undeniable thing. It was a feeling that was undeniable. And I'm not recommending that we do everything we do based on feelings. None of you intellectuals in here would appreciate that very much. And, and I wouldn't either. But this was a sense of what God was doing that brought awe to their souls that was irrefutable. That cannot be argued with. This is what God is doing. This is what he did in my life. This is what happened. They all had a story of this all. God, I think this is possible. It couldn't be that that is something we could experience as friends in this community. I think that it is. I think it's shown right here. I think it is. So there was this, uh, this awe in the, that they experienced. They also did life together. They went together. And then finally... They enjoyed generosity. Listen as I read, uh, starting at 45. This, this sense of generosity that occurred. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing proceeds to all. As any had need, day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in the homes, they received their food and glad, generous, or sincere hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day. See, generosity was a hallmark of who they were. Like, when people said, who, is, who are the Christians in that little place? Who are these Christians? Generosity rang out from them. Uh, Julian, the Roman emperor, said this. This is of the early church. Nothing has contributed to the progress of the superstition of the Christians as much as their charity to strangers, the impious Galileans 
provide not only for their own poor, but for ours as well. They were known for their generosity. Great things happened because of that. Generosity can transform culture. And part of our DNA needs to be that thing. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that's like a fire. Sometimes it's not happening or flare up. And I hope that we continue to, to hit the, uh, and, and start the spark that will continue to go until we have the flame of generosity in the church. So that we'll be known for that. So there is this, uh, this incredible sense of generosity that's known amongst the people. Is that what we're known for, even in our small community? Not just the church, because we write a check to so-and-so, but it's the church and the individuals. No. We know as generous people. All right, to, to wrap it up, I want to give you just a couple of really brief thoughts. Um, the first one is to have that kind of community that we're talking about here. just want to go back to that one point I was making. That comes from abiding in Jesus. It doesn't come from adding a list of to-dos and you only get together with it. How many meals are going to have it? How many gifts you have that? Knowing Jesus will result in this. So that's where we start. We abide in Jesus and watch the other things. Well, we know what it might look like. So that's one thing. Another thing is that you notice it said that they got together and they ate in homes. They met in the temple grounds. They met together in larger groups. But they also ate together in small groups. Well, that's something that uh, one of the reasons that we invited Drew to be a part of our church is to help us develop small groups. And this is something that Obi Joyful has done in the past, but a way for us to connect as families, as neighborhoods, as small communities that can sit around the table and get to know each other and live life together. And when they're suffering, we suffer together. And when there's joy, we rejoice and we rejoice together. And so you should be seeing things. You should expect and ask for this from our church. We're getting you and myself ways to get connected to the community and have that space where we serve, eat, serve, love, live together. So that's coming in more full, in more full way to this church. And the last thing I'll say is, uh, is this: back in, uh, I've been a youth pastor for ten years, and pretty much just gave everything to that. And my family really suffered because I just spent, I just. It was one of those kind of guys that was too focused on the work and relationships and all that stuff. And then in, in 2000, we came on vacation to Crescent View. And we had a couple of weeks here. We had a nanny who came with us to take care of our little kids. I think Claire was maybe pregnant with Michael. Right? Because that'd be 15 years ago. And so we got, we, we came to Obi Joyful. And we heard that there was going to be a small group that was going to be a little community group that was going to be down in Sydney South. I'm like, well, how do we go? And check that out. And of course, remember, we're just, we're just a typical Texan. Right? Turn all our lights on in the house. <laughs> we tailgate all of y'all down here. We use styrofoam cups. <laughs> but we got invited to the small And so we went, and both Claire and I vividly remember driving down 135 to see the South. 
And I remember Claire's Bible was there. And we, at some point, I don't know which one we said, but it was like, you know, we have not, in the entire history of our marriage, since 1991 until now, we have never been to a small group Bible study together. Oh, wow. Okay? bad on me. But we were going to one here. And so we met some of our best friends, Sean and Lori, who was at their house. You know, the first person I called when we were talking about maybe moving here, what I called Sean. Sean. Fifteen years later. You never know the benefit of eating together and studying the Bible together and walking together through life. That's just a teeny little sliver of one family. There is something out there. I want I want people Promise I'll close with this. I want people to stay in this valley because they say the community and I'm neutral for church is so amazing. I do not want to do it. I can make more money. I can have better friends. I'm getting older. I need a walker. It doesn't matter what it is. Whatever the reason why it might take you away, you know that you'll be loved and cared for and be in a relationship that really matters in this place. So you actually choose to stay rather than to leave. It's okay to leave. We understand that. But it would be awesome to see People chose to say, because it's beautiful, because the relationships are real. God, thank you for uh, this family. Lord, it was really exciting for me to drive back to Crestview and know uh, the sense of choosing my friends, the sense of choosing people that my family would go through life together. Um, the highs and lows and the, just the, everything that happened to I just ask that this uh, concept of going together, this thing that, that you have shown us is, is part of the community that's possible, I pray that it would be a reality that we would sense the awe and a story to tell. It's going to be much deeper than we could have ever imagined. So, uh, may we be a place of that kind of community. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, you guys have a great week. Enjoy the